everybody and welcome to the News Paste podcast. I'm Johnny Vedmore and I am with someone very exciting today who we're going to talk about loads of stuff. We've had a little chat before I hit record and it's been like talking with my best friend who I haven't seen for ages. So I'm looking forward to this one because wow this is a lady that does everything so lindsay Sharman, one of the most impressive people around roadway roadways.org i've had a little look around everything and just like completely impressed um i want to know more about you young lady um can you tell us about yourself oh wow that's such a <laughs> that's such a hard task we were talking about this before the the recording started where i have this link tree that's like 75 links long because i do 75 <laughs> different things and that when i'm doing any of one given thing people who know me through that route they get surprised and shocked that i do like these other things too they're like wait and then they feel betrayed like i like i hid something well, of myself from them and i'm like no it's just that i could not possibly just go around telling everyone all the things i do it would be so boring for everybody actually what's but... <laughs> the most obscure thing what's the most obscure thing let's start there i don't know if it's the most obscure but i think it's as far as you know my public facing persona perhaps gets overlooked the most and that's that i do spiritual healing and counseling and teaching with people uh so maybe that i also am an author i have authored i think i'm up to seven books at this point I will never stop. So I'm sure by the time I die, I'm going to have just like piles of books I wrote. Uh, I feel very honored that anybody wants to read them. That's been the one of the most amazing parts of my life. Uh, I was a teacher uh, for over 14 years and I'm actually a master level teacher and board certified, which are two of the highest sort of like accolades you can get as a as a regular K through 12 teacher in the United States. So I'm, a, I'm one of the, you know, good teachers. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I went into it because I understood exactly what it was and that it was an indoctrination camp for the government. And my hope oh, was beautiful. to free as many minds as possible wow. while I was there. And I had to finally leave because it just kills you. It's a it's a killing machine, actually. Mm -hmm. It's not just for the students, it's for the teachers too. So especially if you have a heart and a mind, it's a it's a torturous, torturous journey. Um, but it was also some of the best times of my life getting to connect with those souls and guide them in some way was uh truly an honor. So I, there's a smattering of things. I do shows now, Rogueways and Middle Path for a couple of years now, and I get to meet really awesome people like you. Like you said, it's just like finding people who you feel like you've always known, actually. And it's really cool. It's mm -hmm. been very gratifying to be able to find that I'm not alone in the world. Uh, and I think that's also for the people who get to listen to us. I think they feel the same. They're like, oh, my God, thank God. Other people think like this. Other people are seeing this stuff, too. So. I doubt uh, I I doubt myself quite a lot with with that stuff just because I I always want to kind of like I I always automatically I I don't want to say it's it's terribly unhumble to say that you're humble so I I mean <laughs> it's like a paradox that may cause a split in the universe um but I I just don't like I I have a very I suppose I've been brought up with a a a, a low ego uh, self esteem uh bullied for years lots of horrible things and just always felt little about myself and still getting used to this idea that people actually want to listen to me. Um, um, because like you say, you know, uh, we can talk now and we can have like wonderful conversations that are really in 
in depth and really interesting um and we can hit it off straight away away because we know uh we've got like the same sort of love of life we've got the same sort of uh branch of people surrounding us we've got the same ethos we we could tell that from character and personality and just for simple interactions we could tell that we we're a point in our lives where we're more confident and we can do all of these things um and but i i you know i i spent a lot of years not feeling that confident and feeling a lot like a lot of the people who i speak to uh, right at the start of a journey that i'm on now so i spend a lot of time speaking with people who um uh want to start something that i'm doing like journalism or something and don't really understand how to do it but see someone like me and think i can actually ask them the question and most of the time, people like me and you are stuck within this world of people who are so closed off that 90% or 95% of our interactions are almost meaningless and without emotion. And we're all stuck in that world. We're all with that perspective. Uh, it's really hard to to come out of that zone and be like, you know, confident that, well, people want to listen to me. People want to have a, but I have learned that my ramblings are enjoyed by some and I appreciate the some who do listen to the rambling. And like you were saying about your books, like the idea that the, the um, hundreds of thousands of people have read an article here or an article there that I've done, that I've put in loads of love and I've tried to just get as much truth in there as possible and do it for the correct reasons that the these people are, are, are appreciating that of course it's just like a burning up inside as a reward in itself so then it feels selfish on top do you often feel selfish doing all of these wonderful things i'm moving past it like i definitely have that in me and i and i had it more uh and it's getting less right and i i totally understand that and so for a while at the beginning especially when i was really coming out more into the public and doing the show and publishing my books and sharing my spiritual services, I was really like trying to like get other people. I was like, you have to do this too. You're powerful. You're beautiful. Your voice is strong. You do it. You do it. You do it. And really trying to push it almost like away from myself. And I realized that um, that's good, right? But we actually do have to honor ourselves in this uh, journey we've gone through. Like you said, all of that suffering and all of that self uh, esteem issues and all of these things to get to where we're at and that we are then like a voice and a source for people who aren't quite there yet and so it is actually us and it isn't selfish to say well cool it is me then and I do have this to give to people and people do like it and I do feel good that people like it <laughs> and all of that is good stuff. isn't it just and positivity I... creation like a positivity machine that just keeps going and going and that's why it feels like you have you're propelled you can't stop heading towards the positivity because it's so much better than that that depression and the the fear and the anxiety of the past and how i i mean you're someone who obviously tries to teach other people how to get on that path how to get to that place and and what's your best what's your best advice for someone who's like in the darkness that we've probably both suffered i i don't know your journey fully i mean this is the <laughs> first time we, we this this is like we've been speaking for about 15 minutes yeah <laughs> and i i'm like i'm like I, I feel like you're my my best buddy but i feel like you understand my journey um yeah. what would you say to people who have that sort of like feeling inside of loss with well loss i'll say with, you know. yeah 
I'll say a few things. One, if you, if I had to give like one piece of advice to anybody on any point in their journey, I would say be honest with mostly with yourself. Uh, and that comes out, you know, with others too. If you're lying to others, it's going to end up that you're lying to yourself. So it does go both ways, but very, very crucially, you have to be honest with yourself. And so, you know, if people don't, um, and you don't know, I came from a lot of really deep darkness. And when people know like, oh, she's a spiritual person, she's a spiritual healer, she does all this, she writes books, she da 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 da. But I was, you know, smoking crystal meth for years, I was doing like, <laughs> my weekends were acid, then you double the dose every 12 hours, right? And all weekend long, you're just frying and then also smoking crystal meth and and weed and drinking and whatever. And that was just the weekend. And then like throughout the week, it was just like a lower level of that. And like, you know, and, and this is a much of my childhood um, was that right. And I only quit drinking like five years ago, uh, you know, and, and that was a huge problem for me too. And uh, you know, so I have had these struggles and, and people see me smiling and they see me kind of healthy and vibrant and they're like, oh, she just doesn't get it. Oh, I get it. <laughs> like I've been in the absolute trash pits of hell, uh, and through the abyss and come out the other side. And the way I did it was by being honest. Right? I never tried to pretend my way out of it. And, and I'd see people kind of almost like me, but not as honest as me. Cause right now I'm like, I'm a shaman shamanic healer right and spiritual teacher and stuff but i will like swear and i will talk about like you know like i'm not going to pretend i'm not me and i would see people that were sort of doing this but not doing that they were like pretending like they don't shit and like pretending like you know oh we would never swear or when you were talking about this like you know i'm i'm humble but once you say that it becomes like the, like oh humility is the like oh yeah. and but like you're actually the least humble person i can find and so like who are the people who actually get it but also are honest, right? They get that spiritual truth is real and this spiritual path is real, but they're not going to like lie about it or pretend it's all just put the right crystal in the right spot and now all your problems are gone or whatever, right? So I think that being honest is really like the one piece of advice I would give anybody, no matter where they're at, be honest. Yeah, you know. stepping stepping on that journey full stop uh for people of trying to trying to say, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and improve myself. And I've seen a lot of people who like, I've taken a breaky and that's it. I'm I've already hit another level in my brain. I can I'm do done. all I, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I always um I I feel your journey. I feel your journey. Um I I I understand it, I empathize with it, I can feel it not only with empathy but I, like empathically can feel when i'm talking to you that you've had struggles because i i feel i relate to it myself because of my own struggles and i i went down a slightly different path i'm really happy that i didn't go down the path of crystal meth um <laughs> it's, it's I, a I, bad one <laughs> yeah i ended up on morphine um uh, which was yeah it was extreme i i mean for me for me it was there was a lot of vomiting involved it didn't make any sense why i was even doing it you know i i would get so high and then i'd be like well i feel like i'm gonna be sick and and it's this this process of and then you just okay well i'm gonna have a time off that so i'll just take the the powerful codeine and the sulpidol and the other things every few hours and three hours and three hours and just curling up in balls and wanting to get away from it because that's what it's all about um wanting to get away from it 
and I, I, I dig you as well. With the, I, I mean, one of the problems I had in my life is, and and I don't even like talking about it now, is that I was always an atrocious gambler. Oh, terrible! I had to ban myself. I had to um put myself on one of those lists where you self exclude yourself from everything, and it was oh, wow. so difficult to do it. Like it's like like someone who's got an alcohol addiction or anything. Right. If you've got an addiction, making that one move that you know is so final and there's no going back on it feels horrible until you've made it and then you're like oh my god your eyes roll up into the back of your head and you're free you're free of everything um and i used uh psychedelics in a way to get off all of the morphine and all of the other things i use psychedelics great... yeah yeah stop smoking i use psychedelics um i got <laughs> took a load of mushrooms for a couple of days and put and and without any any tobacco around i say stop smoking i got something in my hand but it's not good tobacco it's not tobacco yeah it's way better. <laughs> i mean i mean you, you you do some terrible stuff to yourself i i uh -huh. even the tobacco itself it got to the point where i'm 40 years old and i'm coughing my lungs up and literally coughing my lungs up every day all of the time and we keep going through and they say do you think it's um addiction is just a projection of one's self angst back at oneself is it just uh, is that as simple as it is a way to punish yourself that's one way of looking at it i actually if i had to simplify it would tie it right back to that honesty versus the lie thing right and the root of mm -hmm. our spiritual our emotional our mental and our physical disease is all going back to this one uh sort of action that we do is which is when we lie to ourselves right uh and another way to think about that is when we have sort of like cut off from ourselves and we're like, nope, not that. And so this happens when we are, when we experience trauma, sometimes we do that. We're like, nope, too much, not even going to deal with this. Right. Mm -hmm. And now there's like this vacuous hole, which nature doesn't like nature abhors a vacuum, right? We're, that's what we're taught. It's true on the spiritual level as well. Nature's like, oh, there is no hole there. But you're like, yes, there is. There's nothing here. There is nothing here. <laughs> I will not look at this. I will not deal with this. And you may not even know you're doing that. But at some level, you're doing that. You're saying, I don't feel like this. I'm not thinking that. I'm not doing this. Like, this is not me. That's not me. I'm not this. And all of those things are just constantly weighing there. And really what they're doing is they're like, knock, knock, knock. Like, hey, I'm still here. And we're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> mm -hmm. I put you away. Right. And so for the rest of our lives, then we're in this battle. And we're like, oh, God, we got we to gotta fill up our consciousness with something to distract us from this thing that we're lying to ourselves about. And we're saying, no, yeah. I don't do this. And I don't feel like this. So what is it? Is it gambling? Is it alcohol? Is it food? Right. Mm -hmm. Is it, uh, it could be, any, is it work? Some people are just workaholics. They're just, I'm going to work all day, every day. And I'm going to be success, successful. <laughs> like whatever we all, we all have these, um, call them coping strategies, call them addictions, call them whatever you want, but they're really just this lie with this lie that you're not actually experiencing this thing and what sucks about it. And this is where we get to like this whole thing about like, Oh, your inner child, you have to heal your inner child. And people are like, Bleh. But it's like, no, you actually do have to heal your child, yeah. especially if that's where your trauma was, especially if that's where the moment of uh, dissociation or disconnection mm -hmm. happened. You have to actually then go back and be like, God, yeah, that sucked. Here's how yeah, that yeah. felt and feel it. And this time you have to do it without any of those distractions. No gambling, no alcohol, no tobacco, no uh, workaholism or whatever it is. And just sit with it. And like, mm -hmm. whew, that's rough. Most yeah. people don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a type of withdrawal. Withdrawal from um, emotional 
retreat i suppose is like that and as simply i mean the reason why i ended up in a room on morphine and being fed morphine by very bad people being fed all sorts of different drugs by very bad people who wanted me to stay in a, a place because their own trauma it was better to see me die for their trauma than heal their own trauma and yeah. i knew that i i knew all of the guys i knew each of their trauma and i know what 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 was driving them um but at the time uh, i couldn't face myself i couldn't face looking at anybody else because of that because if you can't see yourself you can't see anything can you um no. is you blind yourself from it well and you allow other people to continue in their blindness in that way right it's codependent that's codependency yes. right where we're yes. like let's lie to each other and and that feels great to us because we don't have to face any of our feelings mm -hmm. um and this is a, it's interesting because when you, everyone out there can relate to this at some level, if you think about it, but when you, when you decide to like change, right. And you're like, well, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. Uh, whatever it is, whether it's the addiction or whether it's like this behavior where you're like, I'm not going to actually like stay silent anymore. If something bothers me, I'm going to say it out loud. No matter what it is, those people who you were codependent with will react and they'll almost always react with anger or like violence of some kind. Oh, and it's wow. fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You're, you're, so small. You're explaining yeah. my, you're explaining my, my, one of the things that really ended my, uh, a load of friendships, a load of them, um, was my decision to start taking up research and journalism. Um, and, I was still doing music and still doing other things and still doing all the things before, but suddenly I wrote a, an article and they couldn't even be bothered to read. And I didn't care about that, but they seemed to care about that. They seemed to care that I was doing something that was really important to me and that they were in no way involved or in control of it. And they were in control of every other part of my life and they couldn't see how they could get into control of that because it was very much about me researching alone, doing stuff alone, writing alone and getting it out there into a, a, a space that they weren't. So it took away that control. And I think from that moment, I started to see things that I hadn't seen before, which was the methods of control and to be perfectly honest we walk into our own the arms of our abusers over and over again yes uh, we nearly always do because we it's comforting to get it's i think we're looking for the release of the pain and the only way we can find it is by going through the trauma again and again that's the only way we can get that quick fix of it and um, we keep doing it so really this this is, this is some deep conversation we're having here, you know. <laughs> I, I one, one of the things I was going to say, you know, what, what you were saying about tackling your inner child, that's such a, I, I, a lot of people who uh, know my own trauma, because I, I am open about what's happened to me in my life. I'm open. It was a lot of violence when I was young, but my family life was weird. It was kind of like fully love and fully violence, fully love, fully violence, loads of bullying all around the place loads of like violent friends loads of all of these experiences where there was lots of violence and then I got groomed for two years by a pedophile who was really awful and then at the end of it I told my mum and it turned out that he had molested a three-year-old during that time and I felt just completely responsible because I hadn't oh. said anything and then I went to the police um like interviews did the interview stuff and um and then he returned to the place that he was before and the police didn't stop him afterwards 
he got 12 months probation and a, and, and a fine and then suddenly he was around me all of the time again and wow. and i i was just not safe at all and i felt like that and of course that just pulled a, a massive safety blanket away from all parts of my life and my parents couldn't handle it so they basically like got me to shut up in and mm. knowing so and i don't i don't blame them they had their own traumas to deal with you know we all do um that's what we don't understand a lot of the time about our parents is that they're just suffering other traumas and we don't really yeah. want to create our parents to be these traumatized broken humans we want them to be this strong right. figure but they're just not no nearly any i don't i it's very rarely once people tell me they have perfect parents i'm like you just don't know mm. what your parents have gone through yeah. you know and you still have some of those lies you're hiding from like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but i had i had had that trauma and i had to face it and i had to face it alone without drugs and i think when i got off the you know i i did a lot of crying on morphine but i did a lot of crying afterwards where i looked at myself and i said you know i'm not that kid i had to try and speak with that kid you know because i'm just not that kid even my bones i i rationalize it like like my bones like basically re remake themselves every six months my whole body has reformed in that time i've grown changed look different act different learned experienced i no longer harbor any of the physical pain from any of that time etc it's uh, all of that stuff just let go let go let go let go before that you have to sit in a room with that child and you got to talk to that child and even now talking about the idea of talking with that child even though i have talked with that that child makes me want to cry yeah. and that learning to be able to do that is so hard and then once you're in touch with it you can basically what now if i, I and this happens when i'm writing articles uh, as well if I get to the end of an article that I've put in loads of love, I care about it, I'm telling the truth, I'm being honest about every single part, I've sourced it up, and I feel that it's going to be beautiful, uh, like it's going to have a, a positive effect on the world, um, I, I can go through an emotional state of like crying because I'm like it's not like pride even it's like i'm Gratitude. giving yeah yeah i i look at, i i don't even know it doesn't feel like it's come from me it feels like the universe has brought me to this point that's allowed me all of the skill to form and manifest something that will is needed whether or not and i keep telling people now when they say what am i meant to do in life it's like whatever you feel you're needed to yes, do exactly you, what's right in front of you and what you've been doing is leading you to it you don't it's not a huge leap ever actually it's always like growing naturally out of what you love and what you are and who you are that feeling is beautiful you know and it's actually the the truth is that you're like a spiritual channel, right? And the spiritual channel comes through you in the form of this research you do that you give to the world. And these things are brought to you and you're guided to them and it's intuitive and right. It falls into your lap. Sometimes it falls together perfectly sometimes. And this is the universe's way of sharing information with itself and with the cells and the little nodes, mental nodes of itself, which are other people that need to know it in order for the whole organism to sort of grow. Like this is my conception of it. Right. So mm -hmm. that gratitude you're feeling for being that channel it's really beautiful, 
you know, but you also give yourself credit because the universe cannot flow through something that isn't actually an open channel. And you can't be an open channel if you've still got all those vacuum holes around you that mm-hmm. are not right, <laughs> that are not actually you just whole. So this healing you've gone through emotionally, mentally, that is actually what's allowed you to be this channel. And this is what I teach people when they're like, what, how do I, how do I progress on my spiritual path? I'm like, heal the next thing that's in front of you to heal, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Heal the next wound that you can unlayer heal the next part of your psyche that seems to have been shattered for you in some way or whatever to heal your physical body in whatever way because the healing actually is this reconnection to yourself and any whole person who is fully connected is this channel right and and that is your purpose that is so again if you're not sure what your purpose is what you're meant to do what you want to do or whatever heal yourself and it'll just come about you just are yeah. that right i i feel there's such nuance in there that is so hard to explain and we always try and explain it um and like people will experience this sort of like wholeness yet will have not sorted out every point of their life but the wholeness comes from the fact that you know you're approaching the the finish line and you, these tasks that are in front of you are now manageable where before once before they were not manageable at all and you couldn't even look at them or think about them so i think about some of the relationship with family members who i i want to get uh back to see some of the family members who i've not seen for years um i think about that and i think well am i whole am i fully connected until i got but i know it's coming I know this is a process I'm going through and I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the journey involves walking. And it never ends actually. (laughs) Like people think I'm done or something like, Oh no, not even close. That's what I say. Like people are like, Oh, it's just all healing and healing and more healing. When does the healing stop? And I'm like, I think it stops when you're just like pure light. You're not even yeah. in a body anymore. You're just floating out there somewhere, like bouncing <laughs> from star to star. Like maybe that's when the healing stop, but not not in this life. Like, so where did you grow yet. up? Where did you grow up then around the world? I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So I've lived many places around the world, but I've uh, most of my time has been spent since birth at the Pacific Northwest. I was actually born in North Dakota, and I lived in Montana for a little while. But when I was very very young, when I was four years old, we moved. Did you to did you ever meet Rocky Raccoon? State. No, I did it in the in the Black Hills of Dakota. Somewhere down the Black Hills of Dakota, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I was only one when we left North Dakota, so even if I met him, I probably wouldn't recall. I guess don't want to trust him. Those raccoons—they're awful. My favorite of all creatures. Wily. (laughs) Um. So, so you, you, you. I think similar climate to 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 where you're at. Actually, I went. I was lucky enough to be able to visit. Uh and you know, the UK and well, uh, Ireland and Scotland and France and just some of that region and super similar climate. So mm-hmm. uh, you understand probably the lack of vitamin D and the uh, infinite depression that sets in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Perhaps. yeah, I do. I do. I do. There, there's, it's a, a weird thing. It's like a little flower that opens up in summer is British society. It's like everybody's like sees each other every now and again in winter, spring and autumn. And they are, uh, oh, oh 
it's nice to see your face, you know. Oh, it's <laughs> nice to see you again. But in summer, everybody joins together in one big union. That's it's what just I like feel holding like. hands and like yeah, dancing. completely. It is. I with with the park burning in the background these days. Oh, go on, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the Pacific Northwest, we have this thing that I didn't know. I didn't know we had this until I I recently, about three or four four years ago, I think, moved to Colorado. Um, and you know, I've lived in Istanbul and I've lived in, uh, Bahrain in the middle East, but both for pretty short amounts of time. So this is the longest I've lived anywhere outside of the Pacific Northwest of an adult consciousness. And so I, I had this experience or somebody here, I went to the store or something, you know, and they, and they looked at me and they said, I appreciate you. And I almost started crying. I was like, <laughs> you like, and I was like leaving. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> I went home and I was like, this guy just told me he appreciates me. And, and Johnny's like, oh, yeah, we all say that. I'm like, you all say this to each other. And he's like, yeah, is it? it's not a big deal. And I was like, it feels so good. Like, people are just so nice. And like, and then I've talked to people who've gone to visit the Pacific Northwest from here. And they're like, oh, people there are just like cold. And they're just like non-engaged. And they're just like, don't smile. And I was like, oh, my God we are like that. And that's why it was so overwhelming for me. People here like make eye contact and they smile and they say nice things to you while making eye contact. And it's I just like could hardly handle it. <laughs> what causes this wonderful mystery of humanity and culture? And, it's and the this, sun. It is just is that this... they have the sun here. We don't have well, it I, there. <laughs> okay. So, so, so I know that, I know that um, if you go uh, along a parallel line, um over to the east directly east from me now you'll get you'll get to london eventually um 160 170 miles something like that and in london and surrounding london everybody's cold and upset actually through most of the south of england uh except for cornwall devon area where people are probably even more upset no, no, no. <laughs> but where they're, they're a bit more down they come into wales and they become shocked at how happy everybody is and how like sunny the attitude is in this, if you want a, a a way to describe it do you and have we've... more sun no we like that's what i mean it's no no we no. got exactly wow. the same amount of sun and ah. and it's just an extremely different culture in just one skip across the border and i've never and i feel it when i go to london i mean people in london and and and, and it's not just around the big in the big cities actually around it the difference is immense i mean loads of people find that about wales they're just extremely happy people compared to the people who live next door the people in the north i know england quite well people in the north of england are very like the welsh in a sense but they're all from old tribes they're all from old uh older tribes than the uh english which is most of the south east of england is french in genetics so you know th that means yeah this is why they're so moody all the time but th <laughs> this is the thing i i get a feeling there is a genetic uh, a bit of uh, a, a genetic uh, marker in a, a culture in a group of people often that kind of says they're happier than the other folk. And I'm not sure if it's all about weather because I, I've been to, I, I lived down in Chile for the past six months and, uh, and they were, people were very unhappy walking around with this grumpy look on their face all the time. And it's beautiful weather. And it's just like, that's a good it, point. 
I was in Ecuador for about three weeks and, and a lot of, I would say most people there were like pretty rude, actually, and like not very happy seeming. So could have been just because we're tourists is and they're kind of like, like resentful, but. I wonder if it's just like, though, there is like uh, the energy of the earth and I, I don't want to get like yeah. too over the top, but the energy of the earth is like a heartbeat that goes in and fluctuates like uh, with, with positive and negative energy. And I feel that that is something that a lot of people at least link with when they 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 everybody's either feeling sad or everybody's feeling happy we can blame it on whatever whatever cultural manifestation we can see in front of ourselves but um but i'm not sure what it is what do you yeah think it it's got to be a combination what's interesting too is in the pacific northwest i grew up at least on an island and most people are around water there's a lot of water there and water especially moving water is supposed to have this negative ionic you know effect that is supposed to boost your mood and be healing and all this stuff and i'm not going to pretend like everyone there is just depressed and angry all the time i think we're just subdued i think we just kind of just like we're just not yeah. ex extroverted about these things and it's not that everyone actually like hates you or treats you poorly they're just not going to go out of their way to smile and tell you they appreciate you <laughs> yeah. um so maybe there's that too where you're just supposed to sort of feel it more than express it <laughs> is that there's i i know that i remember reading bill bryson's description i think it was in neither here nor there or something uh, about uh going to norway to somewhere like hammerfest or somewhere where it gets really cold and how extreme the the lack of communication is in a place like that so it's obviously uh weather is involved in that but there's lots of things involved in spiritual energy and how you are we talked about our own individual um experience what do you think's going on in the world because i i look out at what's happening in the world and i don't see positive spiritual energy bouncing <laughs> about the place it's funny actually because i do uh but i understand like the 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 structures that are in place, the media, obviously, the governments and the people who are psychopathic and in, empowered at the uh, material level are really good at making it seem like things are going very, very poorly. And things are going really poorly in a way. We've given a lot of our power to these psychopaths and they do control a lot of the material aspects of the world. And uh, they seem to be doing with that what they wish. And in fact, they seem to be on the verge of complete transhumanist enslavement of humanity, right? Which is like pretty bad. <laughs> it sounds yeah, pretty that's... bad. We're at um, a low level. Yeah. But I, I have this experience in my own life, at least, of confronting and dealing with this sort of transhumanist and... Um, electronic you know uh takeover and it and it is from a very spiritual place and so i have these really profound spiritual experiences with this and, and that's just for myself so i have this unshakable faith that none of that bullshit matters like that's their dying attempt at like holding people down and it can't work and it doesn't matter to me it's gonna suck in the meantime before they realize that it can't work and so does everyone else and we really just shake it off and are finally done with it that's gonna suck i'm not pretending that that's fun or nice or that any of us is gonna enjoy it uh, but I do just see that. And so that that's me personally. I also see when I look around more and more signs that they would love to death. They're desperately trying to hide from us of people waking up. And I, and I actually was very dubious of this. People are like, oh, the great awakening is happening. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the great awakening, like whatever. <laughs> like, But I actually do see it more and more. There are less people than ever, for example, for a really solid metric who who trust media, period. Mm hmm. 
Less people than ever. Less people than ever watch these mainstream media sources or engage with them. Less than ever. <laughs> more they go and bust all out. over the place. Yeah. yeah. And more people seek out alternative voices. We watch each other on screens instead of watching the people who we used to worship as like celebrity idols and icons and like unshakable figures and pillars of our society. And now we just watch some guy in a basement. And we're like, yeah, that actually is really interesting. Like we're, and we're all <laughs> doing that. Right. Uh, yeah. And so that's really huge. I think that the organism of humanity collectively in a way is really is waking up. And so I see that happening in these, in these measurable sort of ways. And then on the spiritual level, I understand that is actually what's happening. People, really are coming to like a higher level of clarity and consciousness about what they are who they are where they are what time it is you know and like what's mm -hmm. happening and a lot of people in that process are super scared they're terrified it is terrifying actually it's terrifying to look around and see reality like it really is and i think all of us here and you know you and i and the people who kind of are attracted to us like we went through that at some point we were like oh my fucking god what the hell is happening <laughs> mm -hmm. right and then we had to like get over it <laughs> and and there's a ton of people right now that are not over it and they're not and they're not even really letting themselves maybe recognize like how terrifying it is they're still in that stage of like nope not gonna look at it cutting that off like <laughs> abandoning mm -hmm. myself that we were talking about earlier and and running from it but the number of people that aren't running from it the number of people that are trying to grapple with it like this is massive actually and so it seems horrifying and chaotic it seems almost hopeless if you let yourself look at just just the sort of surface material level but if you look at that deeper like psychological mass consciousness and spiritual level it's anything but hopeless and i know that's not everyone's thing but um i really encourage people to try to look at it from that point of view and see those things and, and see where you can find look at how they have to hire just thousands of bot armies right like all of these people just like typing somewhere just just promoting like a message to try to make it seem like something is accepted by the public right or all of this that they have to put into these algorithms that try to suppress the truth and try to hide like the google results from people and all of this stuff they wouldn't have to try that hard if it wasn't actually something that was a threat to them so I try to look at those things that point out where we're actually winning and where people actually are waking up. And that um, at the very least makes me feel better, makes life more enjoyable. Uh, and, you know, and at the best, it's it's very true. And I'm right that there is no possibility that their transhumanist takeover could ever work anyway. I love <laughs> the positivity behind all of that in um, uh, a, a realistic sense, in an actual what's going to happen in the future. Um, I don't think there's uh, th their plans can go that far. Basically, these guys are likely to kill themselves or uh, do something that will make other people so very mad at them. That's all I'll say. So very, very mad at them. Um, I think they're already getting there with many different things. And humanity has this uh, this this habit of doing this over and over again, and this is what I've been. I, I suppose I've been preaching it a little bit uh, recently. Uh, our main danger, what approaches, isn't all of the transhumanist stuff and all of the other things. Even though that I see the point in warning about that, I see that they've hyped it up to exist already when it's nowhere near, anywhere near 
uh, close. I mean, two generations down the line. And then you might want to worry about it if people are still in the state of mind that they are right now. And by then they won't be in the same state of mind as they are right now. So it doesn't go to think that that we're all going to be cyborgs in 10 years time and 2030 means the end (laughs) of everything in the world. And and like I said to a lot of people, you know, the, the, the top 100 scientists in AI have all been asked and they said 2070 is the earliest time that they see uh, AGI from spawning what could bring the singularity and that's that that is seriously a long time away that is seriously and people would be like yes but it could approach really quickly but we will be in a different situation mentally by that point because we are on this road and this training and this journey uh collectively and that teaches us what we don't want and what works and what people will accept and the reason why they got those bot armies like you say is to try and uh stop people um from from saying no but they know it's a losing battle they're seeing the exponential growth of people who awaken will never go back to sleep and that leads to questions that's the main point of the question because I know you know. Uh, I'm sure you know. I'm. I hope I'm not being presumptuous, and you can tell me that I'm wrong, and I, I don't want to put things in your mind or etc. But we all kind of know that there's cycles going on all around the place, uh, throughout history, all of the time, and they're very similar to each other. And there's like there's certain symptoms and signs that you see before a cla- uh, like a crash of a culture, a cultural crash, uh, and a cycle of this grand culture and this grand uh, uh, ego this sort of collective ego coming to the end of its cycle and entering into a rebirth and a change just you know we see it coming and it's right around the corner we we could feel the bread and circuses is here we know that it's happening we know people are waking up and that leads to the next part the new turn on the cycle and my fear my worry my concern is that i've looked back through time over and over again and i've seen these cycles repeat and become epically uh grotesque and scary and worrying and then they turn into some form of war and then some sort of reset and and a new global order takes power and that process is the micromanaging of the cycle so that the same people who were in control before will be in control at the end uh, at the start of the new cycle so it's like uh, not the top three percent either the top 0.3 percent will be the this thin layer who controls these events to make this go this way so we the 97 percent get rid of the top three percent in anger after terrible war and uh, travesty and that top three percent is just replaced by a new top three percent who will all be new all just make the same mistakes and will all still hold allegiance to the people who are above them in this chain do you agree with that sort of idea because that's my main concern i could be really positive and happy but i can see the cycle and i can see how they've managed the cycle before do you think that, that, that that's probably right 
the cycle is real. The cycle is real and we've all experienced it in our own lives on micro scales as well. We that this is the same cycle actually within us. And we all we people say this too. They're like, oh, you keep experiencing the same problem until you finally overcome it, right? And that's true. You keep attracting the same asshole into your life until you finally realize why you're doing it and stop doing it. And then now suddenly you're just free of that cycle. And it's gonna be the same way with humanity collectively as well. So I, I totally see that the cycles are real. The resets are real. Those psychopathic, very, very top people, we've never probably even known their names. We've probably never seen their faces. Who knows if they're even human, honestly, sometimes I wonder. Uh, so I don't know, right? But those those beings have been seemingly in control through many cycles. <laughs> and a lot of our ancient traditions and spiritual traditions seemed to document this as well, actually. We actually have a living memory of these things. They just seem to be couched in what we call religion and spirituality and uh, treat as though it isn't therefore real. And so for me, again, I'll bring it back to the spiritual and say that this is actually a spiritual, um, you know, trans... Uh, what am I trying to say? A spiritual progression that, again, humanity is going through collectively. So we cannot be controlled by these psychopaths. We cannot be controlled through all of these cycles, through these resets. And we can't be held in uh, this amnesia, as it's been described, right? Uh, and if we have risen to our true potential and fully accepted responsibility for ourselves and just decided that we're not going to do that anymore, <laughs> it really is just like we every other level of this that we see going on today, it requires our agreement and it requires us to go along with it. And just like we saw this through this pandemic too, right? People were like, well, you just got to go along to get along. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, if you want to live a life where you just go along to get along, then you do just have to do that. And you just will keep getting screwed and brought into these situations over and over again and stripped of your dignity and stripped of your basic human rights because you chose to. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> but you also don't have to do that. And and the result of that might be the things that you fear the most. It might be that you don't get to participate in that society anymore in the ways you want. You might not get to go to that supermarket. You might have to grow your own food. You might have to have chickens and rabbits and learn how to process them and know how to clean your water and find a water source. And all of those things might be true. And if you can't choose for yourself that dignity and that respect and those principles of, of you know, natural law and, and the rights that we're born with and all of that for the sake of your soul, then we're going to keep doing the resets. I mean, it really is, I, it comes down to that for me. It's not this thing that we're all suffering under the, you know, weight of and being victimized by. It's something we have helped to create ourselves. And so to stop it, we have to choose something different for ourselves. And I just call that anarchy. Right, yeah ourselves. I, wow I, you, you've got the same definition of anarchy as i do that's interesting <laughs> because um it's kind of formed over years that i've understood it takes a while because with all of these terms of course you get brainwashed into believing that it's the a symbol that's rocking up on on your your punk top you know <laughs> i i'm i i'm i i actually got my uh, electric guitar upstairs has got the anarchy symbol on on the actual uh 
on the actual <laughs> headstock. And I love I love that because for me it's a, a different symbol. It's a really interesting symbol because people look at it and of course, like most symbols, they see something that's of the culture, of the time, of the knowledge, and doesn't necessarily won't be the same in the future or the past. Um and I find uh that sort of idea symbolic. I talked to someone who's uh in into hermeticism. Dung 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 and loads of people would go oh my god but he was on the one side of um, hermeticism there's both sides of hermeticism are looking for illumination you know they're all looking for some form of illumination of oneself of one's soul of one's mind of one's consciousness um but it's how one goes about it and whether they do it with humanity in mind and the collective in mind or whether they do it with an order for themselves where it becomes something else and they're taking the other path uh, that we know so well and it does seem to be when you're talking about the, the people who are really at the top i i'm i start to really doubt that i know any of their names i uh, you know understanding how the masks are built we're very we're kept very much in the dark by a lot of people who are very much in the light in that sense and that's where a lot of the the time i mean maybe in the future we'll look back and we'll say that the people who were in the light not in the dark um knew something we know that we know now that they knew something the others didn't know and they mm. kept it back and held it back and we feel like that's always the same way the prevailing order world order will be find the 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 cure or some of the some of the, the the cure for the malaise and instead of doing anything about it they'll keep it for themselves and it keeps to be in it and that's something to do with an unresolved collection of egos i suppose who have all got trauma and abuse do you believe here we go this is a hard one do you believe that some of these people are just without soul or are they all acting on their uh, emotional and psychological experience or do are they just soulless beings? I I would say it's sort of like both, right? I feel like you can um, move more and more towards being soulless by all of your actions and choices and that they have chosen to vacate themselves. Yeah, by... is soullessness just letting go of the thread that attaches you to humanity and into emotion, your emotional yes. state? Yes, which so then so then let's look at it this way, right? We've all done that to ourselves, like we were just talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. We've all vacated parts of ourselves. And in that moment, that's a little psychopathic part of us, right? Where we have the ability to not feel that thing. That's psychopathy, right? We can't feel emotion for it. We can't feel empathy for it. We can't feel sympathy for it. Because if we feel it at all, we're going to have to then go into it and feel all of it. And we don't want to. So we've cut it off, right? So if we can all do that, Every human can do that. All of us actually have the potential to become these psychopaths, right? I loved, I interviewed a guy named John Euler and he worked with pedophiles and sex offenders and all of this. And, and I asked him about that, like what everybody's kind of got their take on like psychopathy and what it actually is and what's going on. And he was like, well, it's a, it's a stepping, you know, a stairs, let's say that you're climbing up and you have tiny things at first, tiny transgressions at first. And then eventually you're like raping children. Right. And then and who knows what's beyond that. So you you get there slowly and anyone can go there. And no one wants to think that people are like, oh, I would never. 
I don't know. I mean, like if you let yourself cut enough parts of yourself off, hide them in little boxes, never look at them, your psyche, your emotional body, your soul, however you want to describe it, starts to become vacated and empty. And from my perspective, from a spiritual perspective, something is going to fill that space nature abhors a vacuum <laughs> and we we can look at that however you want we don't even have to get into the spiritual you can call it demonic and be spiritual about it or you can just call it psychopathy it's just empty vacuousness where this person has cut off themselves from that soul energy or whatever you want to call that so were they born without a soul probably not except uh i again subscribe to past lives on not because i ever wanted to but because my experience forced me to and uh i do think if you've done this in previous lives already you can come back with this psychopathy already sort of in place so in that sense yes but it, it you know that means that every single one of them has then the potential to be resold right to get back to source and to go back to healing I don't think they're likely to when you're in full psychopathy. I think it's real, real hard. <laughs> like if you think about how hard it was just for us to heal and we're not psychopaths at all, it's way harder for them, right? But it technically mm -hmm. is possible. So I don't discount anybody. I don't uh, really subscribe to the whole NPC or people who don't have internal monologues thing. I think there are people who have turned that stuff off and have hidden from it, but I don't think they just don't have it. They don't have the capacity. So is the soul a, 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 oh, this is dangerous sentence now, <laughs> here we go. Is the soul just a collection of uh, logic, different types of logic, and then we give ourselves, like, we take away the logic and hide from the logic until eventually we our whole life is illogical and we do illogical things and we are impulse and and the 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 uh not being in touch with your soul is not being in touch logically with illogically because yeah. the other side is madness the other side is crazy so is it just like a collect i'm sorry that's a big yeah, yeah. no i i love this because i have this uh in myself where i'm like let's describe this thing from as many angles as possible and you just brought me one more and i'd say yeah it is that <laughs> right yeah, and it's yeah. Because nature is logical. And and when you really get down to it, like, what is a soul? It's like consciousness. Well, what is consciousness? It's just nature. It's whatever the energy of nature is, whatever all this stuff is that exists, underlying it at the most subtle layer possible. That's what consciousness is. So it's nature, right? And nature just, it is logic. It is rules. It's all these little, it's all math, actually, right? So then if you want to look at it from that angle, too, it's all geometry and math. But I love that description of it because it also then describes it, right? Like you said, if we're then more and more illogical, we're lying to ourselves more and more. It's not true. Uh, and if it can't be not true, though, so you have to keep like compounding the untruthiness of it or the illogic of it more and more and more until you're just nothing. And then you you have a collection of really bad decisions <laughs> to your name because you, you're... you're... <sighs> You're lost. You're lost, and that that uh, we have to keep together, uh, or we will lose ourselves completely. And you um, see people who who kind of stare into that level the of, of the abyss and come back allegedly, right? If these people are not just lifetime actors or not, we've got like Aaron Russo, 
who went and hung out with what was it the Rothschilds or something and then he like was like whoa wait that's like a little too far for me actually I need to tell people that these people are like thinking like this because I don't think regular people know that those people are like laughing about possibly creating a plague that would just wipe out like most of humanity and that they're serious about it right or that banker guy I always forget his name but he was like a I, th- I want to say he was in oh Belgium maybe like a like a Belgish banker and he got brought into these parties and they were like successively sort of more and more debaucherous until he got to the point where they were harming children in front of him and he was like oh I'm in I'm in the wrong spot like Mm -hmm. it was okay when it was like coke and hookers and whatever and like who knows what no not kids and so then he came and told us all these things so people you know even who have chosen to go to pretty awful lengths or have gotten involved in some pretty disgusting levels of this psychopathy have the potential to come back and become our best allies. And I think that's important to remember too. We we shouldn't automatically, we should have really good boundaries and we should look yeah. with open eyes at everybody and not pretend, right? Again, no, don't lie to yourself, but we should also hold that potential for people. Like anyone can come back from it technically and, and they might then therefore be coming back with things that are very helpful for us. Yeah, I, I I can agree with that. I can agree with that, but it's a really hard thing to agree with because yeah, you don't at some like point, <laughs> so yeah, so, see, well, some point you've got to make those boundaries that you talked about, and that's a real hard negotiation battle because um, a lot of people who I know uh, get very angry and say that the you know there's a a degree of extreme options for certain people and and sometimes i'm feeling the same as them and sometimes i don't depending on the person and i know that's my individual experience my individual sort of impulses going off and that, that we need to find something that's a balance in life to be able to understand what we're doing um for the other side that seems to be that balance seems to be to have no balance whatsoever and let them do whatever they want and to force society to change into a way now okay i i want to ask uh, another question because you've got such a fantastic mind to explore <laughs> i want to explore it some more and so um something i i mean of course there's a lot to be talked about with things like um transgender uh debate at the moment and and the like but i i've i i'm take a level up here this is a a good conversation to tackle another question i feel that that these type of things are where you have a culture that's in crisis and someone who is controlling that crisis is putting on a counterculture and installing it as the prevailing culture whether or not the people involved in that culture can take it or understand would that yeah. be a good description of trans great description yeah and then you feel, and then i feel really bad for most of these people because they're victims yeah <laughs> at one level at a spiritual level i'm like no one's a victim ever okay but at this level yeah they're being victimized actually they're being used oh man i and they're not I've... capable of knowing it I've said some things to some people over the past couple of days who have said really nasty things to me in the past. And I've, <laughs> I've told them in, in private DMs. Uh, I, I, and honestly, it makes me want to puke. I told them that I'll forgive them. 
And it's like, I forgive them. I know, I know what's going on. I've gone through the same thing. I'm at a different stage to you. And at the end of it, I will forgive you for what is happening right now. And I don't know if you're telling me the truth or telling me a lie. You know, they're being remorseful or pretending to be, but there's a lot of that going around at the moment. People know that I'm onto something special and there's a certain thing that everybody's very interested in knowing. And there's a certain group who wants to know it. So, and I tackle it honestly. Yeah. I can see there's, you know, this, oh, it's the energy the uh so, sorry my, my my whole thought has gone out the window then because i'm just <laughs> concentrating on that energy but i'd be telling them basically and i feel sick i feel sick i feel like i'm being like jesus i don't want to come across like jesus i'll forgive you yeah. pat your head i am above you in some spiritual way i don't want to yeah. feel like that but but it's very hard how do we get over this uncomfortable feeling of needing to forgive people while they're doing the unforgivable yeah. how do we do that it's interesting because you can forgive people while at the same time holding them accountable and having great boundaries, Beautiful. right? Like in your soul, you're like, I'm not carrying any hatred for you. And I might shoot you in the head if you don't stop harming children or whatever it is, right? Like that, those both can be true. And I think we have this very strange understanding that we've been, I think, purposely inculcated with of, of like, oh, to forgive means I would never even be whatever we're calling violent or something and it's like it's not violent to to defend yourself and the things that are yours right it's not violent and it's not toxic to have exceptionally good boundaries and to say no even if you think you're a woman you can't come into my locker room or whatever like mm -hmm. i don't care right it's not negative to hold your safe uh space as sacred to you and to have like you know to be comfortable mm -hmm. with yourself and to be okay with that it's it, that's okay and so you can do all of that and at the same time in in your heart in your mind no i don't hate you i hope nothing but good things for you i genuinely i hope you feel better i hope you get all the things you need i hope you're deeply loved all of that and also get the fuck out of my locker room <laughs> you know like <laughs> I don't know why people have to separate the two things. And even if we brought it to Jesus, existed or didn't exist in reality, doesn't matter. The story of Jesus is that he's like, oh, turn the other cheek. Well, I've read this very interesting interpretation of this, which said that in the, you know, the Roman soldiers were very heavily disciplined. They had very strong, you know, disciplined rules, whatever. And, and they were allowed to slap someone once, but not twice. So if you if someone slaps you and then you turn the other cheek and they hit it, well, now you're screwed you're like kicked out of the army or maybe you're disciplined even worse than that. I don't know. Right. So it's actually, it's, it's like a, oh, I'm going to fucking get you however I can. I might be powerless in most ways, but I'm going to find the ways I'm not. And I'm going to use them to my advantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, or the other one was, um, was turn the other cheek and, oh, if he makes you carry his bag, carry it an extra mile. Well, that was another one, right? They had a rule. Like you could, you can make someone carry your bag for only one mile though. And anything over that, no, you can't. So like, good, carry it farther than run faster than them and keep carrying it so that they get disciplined or whatever. So I'm like, people have this idea that Jesus was just this lay down and just let everyone stab you to death because you love them so much. And, and my understanding is no, Jesus was like, flip the fucking tables over, whip the bankers, make the Roman soldiers get kicked out of their ranks or maybe killed or whatever right like do whatever you can uh to protect yourself and your family your culture your community your things 
And we have like lost that. And we it's been covered over, I think, with this misinterpretation of what it is to be spiritual or be religious, which is to mm-hmm. just for some reason be like passive. Uh, yeah. And I don't I didn't read that in Jesus's story at all. Again, real huh. or not, like I, I saw some guy like kicking <laughs> ass. Like if anyone was an anarchist who was going to overthrow the state and the banking system, it was Jesus. <laughs> so, I, like, I don't know. I, I did there was I I just got I got this really funny I'm not sure how I t- I tell this story I hope the person isn't listening uh, but I I was uh, uh there's someone who's very religious who um uh whose f- father is very religious and uh he cares about he wouldn't like me at all because he cares about the length of one's hair uh if one is a man. <laughs> and yet he's an extremely big like you know believer in jesus and this this caused me issues obvious issues to anybody who's ever seen a representation <laughs> of jesus of course like have you seen me <laughs> yeah, yeah i i i'm i i am quite amazing to to uh to to try and think of how someone could judge someone on a Christian basis, <laughs> Christian judge someone else because they look too much like their Lord and Savior. <laughs> right. It's a there's this there, there is there is a complete beauty to the hypocrisy of most religious people. We know this. We know so, this. We yeah. Know all the time. And, I mean, it, and it makes it really easy targets for people. And it's unfortunate because I actually see this as part of the agenda too. I don't care if anyone's religious or not I at all. I th- I care whether people are spiritual. If you have an understanding of your spiritual existence, that matters to me. I hope you have that. No matter how you word it or what boxes you put in, it doesn't matter to me. But I hope you have that at least. And if it also comes with the trappings of religion, cool. Go on your merry way. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me. But it is sad that they've made this, I think, intentionally seem to people like religion is this really like, you know, strict oriented thing that you're like in this box and that's all it can be. And it's outdated and it harms people and look at the crusades and look at what (laughs) all of this stuff so that people can can go like, oh, yeah, see, all of that stuff is just garbage. And and in this modern age, what's really good is to just be an atheist materialist. And it's like, yeah, well, that serves their purpose really well, actually. <laughs> that mm-hmm. serves their purpose so well. You have no connection to your your cultural history for the most part if you if you don't understand our spiritual history. And you have no understanding of the um the aspect of yourself that would cause you to draw a line in the sand that is non-negotiable. Like there is no fucking way I'm crossing this line because I know who I am and I know what I am and I know where I am and I know what I'm doing here. Right. You don't have that anymore when you're an atheist um, materialist. And I I was an atheist materialist. So I know (laughs) that you don't have that anymore. You are completely disconnected from anything except what scientists, scientism, which is really just the new religion, has told you is reality. And you have, and you're ignoring actually all of this evidence. There is nothing but evidence that there's more going on here than just what our current scientists say is material reality. No, you can couch it again in whatever terms you want. I don't care. You don't have to even call it spiritual, but you have to acknowledge that there is something called psychicness, right? That there is something that can transmit information over time and space instantly, faster than light, and that people can actually perceive it correctly and accurately, sometimes 100% of the time if they're really good at it, right? You have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge that pets, for some reason, in every study, 
every single study ever done know when their owner is coming home even if their owner is coming from a completely different location and it's going to take them longer to get back than it ever has before, even if they do it at a different time of day than the pet has ever experienced before, the pet will always know. They can measure They can measure the same exact behavior every time the person leaves the place that they are leaving to come back to the place where the pet is. Why would that be? <laughs> Why would mm-hmm. that be if all that exists is material reality as been described by our, our holy scientists that shall not be questioned? It's really, it's really hard for lots of people to even get close to that frame of mind because of all the experience they have is within reality anyway, into perceived reality, normal perceived reality, unaltered perceived reality. As um, perceived through the indoctrination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. And people Once you don't get quite out of that, realize... you're like, oh, there's this whole universe I was never allowed to see. I, I got brought up in a slightly different way than a lot of people in that sense, because my dad was really, I think I, I would describe him as extreme on the one side. He was very much based in um, the real material world with religion as an additional extra that he slotted on the side to make sure that everything he did in in the real world that was wrong could be forgiven in some way to his <laughs> own conscious by proxy. Yeah. Um, he was a naughty boy. I'll say this. My dad was a very naughty boy he liked ladies he grew up in the roughest pub in cardiff uh, as a kid and i i remember going i hope he doesn't listen to this i remember i remember going to school uh when i was about 12 13 and i had a mate uh, chris underwood i'm gonna say his name that's his real name and i said to him i said he, he turned out his father went to school with my father and he had mentioned it and i was like oh okay well go home and ask your father something about my father and uh he went home and the next day he came in and i was like so what did he say and he said your father was a psycho he used to throw acid bombs on the railway track <laughs> i think i think your dad and my dad would have gotten along quite well <laughs> yeah well my dad was always such a rabble rousing rogue who would get up to naughty stuff all of the time and use religion like that when my mum um was very in touch with uh spirituality um she she would class as she i i call it the spooky church just to wind her up but but you know she goes to the <laughs> psychic church where people uh <laughs> they got they had two hymns back in the day i i burnt them a cd so that they they'd have their two hymns which was uh Aww. rob robbie williams angels and uh stevie wonders i just called to say i love you <laughs> Aww, <laughs> which sweet. are very psychic songs um and and yeah and and but they're, they're trying to get to their understanding in different ways of what's going on they're trying to get to what you're talking about in a different way now they're trying to do it through an unaltered state i mean once you learn that an altered state can possibly get you to a, a i mean there's benefits and stuff to to these sort of things so i got through to that sort of like to a really a state of understanding that there's much more i'm feeling something much bigger through uh months of 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 psychedelia but i was already i in a sense primed to have two different possibilities um and and to be able to look at the world i i also i i when i was at 10 11 i said to to my parents i'm not going to church anymore and um my my dad got really angry and uh went to church for two weeks and the anger i realized was him actually saying oh i'm not going to go to church and i will be found out (laughs) 
by the family and so two weeks later he was not going to church anymore and my stopping going to church stopped the whole family going to church and i i felt slightly guilty to an extent but i think then everybody was living a much more truer life and my mum went her own way trying to find her own spirituality instead of having to go to a church and pretend just so she was in with the community and uh and my dad could practice his I don't know, being naughty everywhere all of the time. <laughs> with any them. chubby lady he can find, any chubby lady <laughs> at all. No, he's uh, he's he's well down. So yeah, I maybe, 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 maybe. But then in a sense, I've entered now round, and this is coming back to what you were saying earlier. I've come back round now to finding that most of the people who are most spiritually aligned with me uh seem to be very angry right-wing christians who understand that there's something really horrible going on (laughs) but you see then why they have to divorce people from that because when you have something that has been instilled in you or that you believe so deeply that you cannot shake it yet that's something hard to fight and they know that so they had to try and subvert this and overthrow it this is why you see in the west at least christianity is attacked so directly so consistently so commonly because of this it's actually a very powerful force against their agenda and i'm not by any means saying everyone should be christian i'm saying like there is something to it and it is you know there's something to also having a community whatever form it comes in uh and that's something else they've attacked very intentionally as well we i love this book a long time ago i think it came out in like 1998 or something it's called bowling alone and in bowling alone you know she documents this um i think it was a female author i actually can't remember now you know but she documents this um huge loss of communities at every level we had baking clubs and we had bowling clubs and we had like you know the church and we had this and this and all of these we had neighborhood cookouts and all of this stuff is gone and now we just have nothing we have nothing to fill its spot except tv and media and like the guys the talking heads you're like these are my family now like you know because we don't have that connection that we actually need um and so there's a reason they attack these things and you know religions fulfill both of those needs this need to understand your spiritual self and this need to have community as well that is outside of your family um unfortunately that has also been very misused and it, and it does as much as any spiritual sort of group and community can give you uh it's it's i think eventually it's at some point at least you do have to go off on your own and that's what psychedelics do so well is they help you really go into yourself right into your mm-hmm. own deepest truths and that's where the good juice is like that's where you want to be you don't have to use psychedelics to get there but they're, they're a shortcut for sure they are, de- are definitely a shortcut i mean it's such a strange experience to say to people you know you can't really ever describe it um but for a lot of people psychedelics they'll end up doing it with their friends and it'll always be for for something else it'll always be for recreational enjoyment and it'll always be someone looking at their hand uh, that they've puked on going i don't know what's happening or something along <laughs> those this? lines yes um but but once you uh, use it in a, um, a healing environment so have the day off no chance that you're you know a really safe space so for me, um, that could only be possible because I, at the time, I lived in a house with someone who is like my best buddy in the whole world and knows me very well. And I know he would always protect me. So I felt safe with the environment as well. No one's yeah. going to come in and do something horrible or nasty. I could just be alone and and heal myself. That's quite a hard place to get to because often um, 
if you're uh, in a state of trauma, the people around you are usually you, that you choose to have around you or usually have similar traumas to you. And then your traumas bounce and play off each other all of the time. And neither of you, the other person doesn't want to see the other person heal because they have to then look at themselves. And very, very rarely are two people uh, at the same time ready to take that journey. I mean, that's <laughs> almost impossible to, to happen. Um it's so much i mean this is oh this is such interesting stuff <laughs> you must have quite a lot of uh, uh of people who speak to you about all of this stuff all the time i don't know you know honestly uh, <laughs> it depends i go on a, a lot of different shows and people ask me about all kinds of different things because like we talked about at the beginning i have that long list of stuff that i that i do and so sometimes i get to talk about you know spiritual and psychological which is one of my favorite things because it sort of is the thread that weaves through everything that i've ever done um but a lot of times i'm like just talking about education or i'm just talking about psychopathy or i'm just talking about politics or i'm just talking about modern you know events or whatnot so it's all over the place man mm-hmm. <laughs> i tend I to bring everything back to the spiritual and psychological for me that really is like the linchpin that uh frees us from this uh entire you know network of psychopaths that seems to control the world through re- reset after reset after reset it, it is this self empowerment that um inner trip you know that you can take and find uh this unshakable sense of self and faith that you realize is eternal and that nothing else actually even matters after that in the best way possible <laughs> like everything matters so much after that uh but nothing can really uh shake it you know people ask me like why are you scared when you don't you get anxious and overwhelmed and scared when you're looking into all of these horrible things in the world and i'm like no, honestly, because I've had such profound experience within myself and of my my soul and, you know, whatever you want to call heaven or source or whatnot, uh, that it just doesn't matter. I, I already know. You know what I mean? Like there, once you mm-hmm. have that, like you can't go back. And I so I always just desperately want for everybody to go as deep into that as they can, because that I think is just what it takes to to really get through this and overcome it, you know? waking up looking internally yeah and i and i i did this episode really really early in in covid in 2020 or whatnot where uh i was actually just really pissed off (laughs) i get righteously angry sometimes and i was pissed at at everyone not at the people pulling this off i was pissed at all the people who are allowing it to be pulled off because again no one's a victim here we you none of us are just suffering under these psychopaths we're empowering Mm -hmm. them we're allowing them to have the power so I know that feels way too big, but to like bring it back to this place where uh, you're allowing it, you're choosing to wear a mask, you're choosing to go, oh, I just need to go into the store. I'm just going to put on the mask. Well, then you're doing it. You're doing it to yourself and you're doing it to everyone else too when you do it, right? And and why are you doing it? When it comes down to it, you're doing it because you're scared and there's only one real fear in the world and it's the fear of death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it, right? So if you just fucking get over it you won't be afraid anymore and you won't be so controllable and you won't wear the mask and you won't send your kid to the school even though the school is so awful or whatever the thing is that you're so afraid of will just fall away because you will realize that you know death death i don't know if anyone knows this but it's happened to every single person that's ever existed (laughs) like all the way back to the history of the beginning of time everything has died and even if you go outside of humanity 
everything dies. This world will die someday. That sun in the sky will die someday. Like the universe will perhaps die. Some things die. That is actually the one constant is change. So you, you are absolutely going to die. So just get over it. Like just, just know it and just like accept it. And in that episode, while I was ranting at everyone and screaming at them that they needed to get good with death and get over themselves, I was like, just go to the mirror and look yourself in the eye and go, I'm going to die and just deal with it. <laughs> like if it's scary, feel the fear. If it's, if it makes you cry, cry. Like, and then at some point you'll realize, okay, well, yeah, I mean, that's just a fact. So now nothing else even fucking matters. I can just be free. Right. Just like I was yeah. when I was born. Right? I didn't care about that. I wasn't constantly worried about like what might happen. Like you are going to die. Get over it. I no. dig it. I <laughs> dig that because I've had loads of people say to me, aren't you afraid? And I think I've, I've, kick I'm, I'm about to kick up a gear i'm on uh i i've described it as a late probably 6.8 6.9 out of 10 maybe going maybe i'm in the sevens already of likely to be murdered by an intelligence agency yeah but but <laughs> you have but to deal I mean, with that fear <laughs> i i mean i i it start it, you have like a moment where it breaks you at around three or four yeah. and you decide you get over it and you're like i, I mean that was a change that was the real change change i talk about you know getting over things making these decisions doing all of this what the real change was was being f afraid to speak full truth to power and once you know the truth that no one else knows and you know you're the only person likely to say that truth right now that suddenly you have a responsibility and it took me three, four days of feeling really depressed, anxious, scared, knowing that my decision had already been made and I was going to publish this, whatever happened. And it was going to happen. And then afterwards, the relief, the, the, oh, now if I get killed, at least I'll know why I got killed. <laughs> at least it'll mean something. Yeah. But, at least you can abandon yourself it. even more. It's true. That's actually public speaking is ranked higher than death in people's fears, right? Or just speaking at all, actually, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, but, yeah. But even that is, it really is a fear of death too. You're afraid that at the core of it, that you're going to say something and that people are going to abandon you for it and that you're going to then die. Because deep inside of us, we know abandonment equals death. If the tribe abandons you, you're going to you don't live alone we are social yeah. creatures we're a pack animals for a reason uh sure some people can live alone but like the most of us no that means death so we have that programmed into us too that we like don't break big social mores or whatever because we need the group and we know it so speaking publicly is so terrifying for that reason what if everyone decides now after i spoke my truth that i'm unlovable and unworthy of caring for and now i am vanquished to the woods or, or the canyons or something in the badlands and i die so even that is actually a fear of death but we also have it like drilled into it. Like this is used against us. This is programmed into us as well. Like don't talk, don't say things. You're going to be punished for it. Don't be different. No, we're going to laugh at you. We're going to punish you for it. So stop doing that. You, you're not worth it. You don't have truth. What you think you're powerful. You think you're special. You think anyone's going to care? Like all of this stuff. And so we're also just like, oh, me? No, I can't do, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like, no, mm -hmm. someone else is going to have to do that. But it is this uh, really unfortunate 
you know, thing that's been drilled into us because, uh, you know, the bystander effect is really, really powerful in us. Again, we're social animals, we're pack animals. We, we work together as a group, whether we like it or not. So if all of us are going me, no, not me, I'm not powerful. Then all of us are going to keep going me. No, not me. I'm not powerful. But if one of us goes, yeah, me, I'm fucking powerful. Listen to what the fuck I have to say. Like, here's what it is. Then the rest of us are like, oh, she can do it. I can do that. <laughs> and then more and more people start standing up. I was in this um, bar once and this cop came in, these cops came in and this old drunk Indian man, he was a pillar of the community. <laughs> he was just uh, established in every bar and he would often just, yeah, there and yeah. try, you know, so we all knew him. He's not a problem. He's just trash. And, and at this point he's like drunk and passed out on the table, like literally just not even conscious. These cops burst in and all of a sudden they're just tasing him. And we all know, like, he's just been passed out for, like, a while. Like, why would you tase someone who's passed out? But no one says anything. And everyone just backs up. And, like, a circle forms around him. And the cops are just tasing him and tasing him. And, and everyone's just watching. And I'm finally like, oh, fuck, is no one going to do anything? So I stepped up and I was like, hey, why are you tasing that guy? <laughs> he's passed out. And once I did, other people sort of stepped up, too, and were like, yeah. No one else said anything, but they were just like, yeah, that thing, right? Like I yeah. had, but it was terrifying for a moment. Cause I'm like, am I going to step towards three cops with tasers who are already abusing an unconscious man? And the answer was, yeah. Cause if I don't, no one's going to, but once I did, other people did. And mm -hmm. I have a, an, an equally opposite horrifying story where I was abducted by a man. I was leaving a bar actually. And he came up behind me and grabbed me around the shoulders and started dragging me down the street. And I couldn't see who it was. And I didn't know what was going on. I just knew all of a sudden I was being abducted. And I started yelling out because there was tons of people. I was a busy downtown, you know, college, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. There's a lot of people there. And they're just watching me being dragged down the street, screaming for help. And no one did anything. And, and I, it like fucked me up. I was like, for, I got away by the way, I got away, mm -hmm. luckily, very barely. And thank God I did. But but what fucked me up more than being abducted by a man was that no one did anything about it. And it and it like, it hurt me so deeply. I was traumatized more by that. And, I, and then I remembered the bar with the Indian, the drug guy, the tasing and the cops. And I was like, oh, it's the same. None of them are to blame. I can't actually hold it against them. But if one of them would have been like, hey, let's help that girl then a bunch of people would have and i would have gotten help so it's a it's like you are that powerful you are the difference between whether or not the whole group decides to do nothing or the whole group decides to do something and once you do something everybody will actually go with you and if you do nothing everybody will go with you <laughs> yeah now there's loads of experiments that show this to be so like the smoking room experiment and stuff where they have uh people turn up for the appointment uh, for a job interview and they got to do training stuff smoke starts coming under the door and you've got two people who are part of the program who sit there and don't move and the other person usually just stays there always there's a collection of people stay there and uh, and and this the, the the person just can't they just they can't move away from the crowd they can't come outside of the group and i've seen this in so many parts of my life yeah. early on there was two main points it was falling off a castle wall uh ogmore castle 
and it's like a uh, remains of a castle ruins near bridge end it's a beautiful it's, it's near um a little lake with stepping stones across the water it's like a computer scenic beauty we we were there my dad had driven a camper van down there and i must have been 10 or 11 and i climbed up on the wall of the castle and then i fell off and the fall back the castle is like on a steep the castle wall I was climbing was on a steep sort of incline. So as I fell back, I got further away from, and I, I, I hit quite hard and I hit down on my spine and I, I couldn't like move. So I, I was in really bad pain, of course, I'm kids, so I'm crying. And there's these people just walking past me and like, I'm saying, please help me. And they're looking at me like I'm disgusting. And like, we're in this nice place with like families running around. And you're they're a looking kid. at me. Yeah, but they're God. looking at me like it's my fault. It's it's my fault. People, fault, fault, fault. I can find a reason. I can find a reason. I can find a reason. And everybody can find a reason why it's someone else's fault anyway, because that's what we're kind of primed to do from our all our trauma and abuse. I remember crawling. I mean, I had to crawl, crying in pain to my, uh, to the camper van, and people just, like, stepping over me. And I just found it bizarre. <laughs> and a few years later, I was sitting on a bus, uh and getting approaching school and i started to realize the game of nobody wanting to get up i started to watch it you know no one wants to be the first person to get up when it's reaching the spot and we're all young of course we know this and you know i i knew who was in the school so i knew who would be getting up and there'd be like five people sitting there and i'd wait and see behind them to see who would be the first to get up and what wondered what that said about about it this stepping out i understand what stepping out means by this point and i i i remember the the one day where it just like it got to a point where we just walked past the bus stop you know and it was pretty clear that everybody just like panicked all of a sudden and it's just like this wonder of just and then recently i do police auditing uh, in america it's called first amendment auditing where you get a police ca a camera and a normal camera it's not a police camera a normal camera you go up and you film the police what they're doing and they either respect your rights or they don't respect your rights and if you know the law you know how to interact with them you know what they're meant to do and you know their procedures then it baffles them causes them to often be angry and aggressive and cause them to do a load of things that are terrible and outside what they're meant to do and that's how you really test if a policeman is able to be a policeman is by just putting a tiny bit of pressure and recording them at the same time and you'll see them pop and and it would be the same for me i mean if someone's recording me and they're just following me around while i'm at work i wouldn't like it either but they've got a certain responsibility and i was doing it in town i was just coming i'd already been going around for hours and there was this guy on the floor and uh, a policeman sitting next nearby about five meters away and this guy he wasn't on the floor he's on this this the uh, seat and he bench and he's this guy sitting on the other bench as police officer looking at his phones he's obviously looking at how to do first aid on his phone and what he's meant to do because <laughs> oh, it's pretty clear this guy had like blood running out of his face and his head was kind of hunched over to the side on the seat of this metal bench he looked really uncomfortable and looked like he was he, he could fall off at any time and like i i I, I was behind a camera, so you know how it goes. 
I'm looking at the police officer and he's got another he's not even looking at the guy and he's not even eventually they put him down on the floor after I've said shouldn't you put him in the recovery position and they put him down between with his head between two benches um, and uh, the slope backwards so he's even if you put his head up you're gonna and I was trying to tell them all these things but they were they were in this thing where they cannot step out of what they're doing or they admit they're wrong yeah so I they recorded the entire thing which led to um the guy having chest compressions and uh defib on site because his heart stopped um so the whole process i'm recording and they brought in 10 12 police officers to basically try and start a fight with me so that i would then you know they were grabbing me and pushing me and i'm well outside the line but i'm recording what should be recorded and of course they're being aggressive towards me because they've messed up but they can't admit they're in a group like group mentality where they can't step up and say we should not have handled it that way and we should have done better straight away and we should have listened and I, I'm over them with a video camera going, no, really, come on, what are you doing? What you could, Don't leave him head between two benches, leaning back downhill. This isn't first aid. You know how to do first aid. You can't even put, they couldn't put him in a recovery position because his head, it would mean hitting him into a bench. So they couldn't do it. And it was just bizarre. And they couldn't, because I was questioning them, they couldn't come out of it. And that was such a strange one, too. It reminded me of all those other times. It reminded me of seeing the people step over and step away. Um, how, is there a hope for us? <laughs> well, I do. I think there is. And I'm like relating this to my experience as a teacher, you know, and I was, I think, somewhat unique as a teacher. And I went into the classroom understanding this is all false, right? This whole idea that I have power over these children is a lie. I don't. Right. And I and I also don't want to reinforce uh, violence and coercion. And I also don't want to reinforce this illusion like I just have all the answers and I'm God and you're all stupid. And so you should always believe everything I say, because that's also ridiculous. Right. But those are all the illusions we're supposed to go. It's just like those policemen are supposed to have the illusion like we're in control. We know what to do. We can help with anything like all those illusions. They're not true. You're just a person. We were saying this about our parents earlier. Right. Like they're just people, actually. <laughs> like you mm -hmm. grew up and you're like, they're God. Nope. They're just random fuck ups. So you just happen to come out of them. Like here we all are together. Right. Uh, so I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to reinforce that. But you also do have to actually keep your job by keeping kids in the classroom and like doing things and learning stuff, unfortunately. So I do have to also <laughs> accomplish this task. Damn uh, those kids. Yeah, you know. So my way of, of doing this was to, um, you know, try as much as possible and, and posit us all as equals. Like, look, this is your classroom. I'm here to help you do whatever it is that we need to do here. Um, you know, you technically, you can do anything you want. You can throw things at people's heads. You can flip the desks over. You can light this place on fire, you know, but there's natural consequences to that. Those things are illegal for one. And for two, you probably want this credit. You probably want to graduate. You probably don't want detentions and things. And I don't want to deal with any of that either. So why don't you guys tell me, like, do we have to have rules or can you just be people who are normal human beings and we can just try to get things done together? And and basically, um, most of the time they were like, well, we don't have to have rules. I'm like, no, I mean, no, we don't. Most teachers come in and they're like, here's the rules. Don't talk and no gum and no whatever the, uh, yeah, right? And I'm just like, do you tell me, do you need them? If you need them, we'll make them together. You tell me and we can just all talk together about what the rules are. And if you don't need them, cool, let's just start. 
reading, writing, and talking about things together. That's what we're basically going to do in here. And so you tell me what you need in order for us to do that together. And if at any time you show me, instead of telling me that you need those, I'm more than happy to become that person who's like, here's the rules. And when you break them, here's the consequence. And I'm going to enforce it in this way because you've shown me that you cannot handle yourself as a human being and you can't be in a space together with other humans who are trying to accomplish a shared goal together. So that's the way I went about it. And um, I had kids who would like freak out, like they would like lose their shit. So I had this one day a week where they got to learn anything they wanted. You know, the other four days we have to do the curriculum that we have to do and we have to get through it and try to make it as actually meaningful as possible. Uh, but this one day a week, you get to learn about anything. And the only requirement is that you show me what you learned in any way you want. And then at the end of the quarter, you put all of that together somehow and show me all of it at once in any way you want. And they, and, and like, I just say like probably 70% of the kids or something were like, okay with that. They were like, awesome. That's easy day. Like I just can learn anything. And it was cool. Cause they would learn amazing fucking things way more than mm -hmm. I could have taught them. And they would do amazing things way more than I could have made them do. But the other like percentage of them, some of them would cry. They would come up to me and they'd get angry and they'd be like, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, I'm not going to, this is actually the <laughs> lesson for you. This is actually the lesson is just to learn that you're not always going to be told what to do and that that's a good thing. You should actually perhaps develop the part of you that can act without being told what to do. Cause mm. it's a terrifying prospect that we have any humans that can't act without being told what to do. So let's please break that programming now. But I would hope that in general, we could look at things like uh, the position of police person or the position of teacher or the position of whatever else might have authority built into it and look at it more from that point of view. Like this is more like a sacred role of, and you're guiding people to empower them to not need any guide. Right. And to do that, you can't just be angry, authoritarian, forceful, because force does not create empowered beings. Right. No. And it, but it's it's a thin, hard line to draw, because, again, we still do live in this society and you do actually have to have kids in a classroom that aren't killing each other. <laughs> in in the police's case, it's a thin blue line. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I it reminds me of um, a policeman who was very rude to me. I, I, I always point the camera at him, but he's it very rude, an old guy. Uh, what we call a PCSO, which is um, uh, basically lower paid, they don't get trained and they have no rights or abilities that the other police have. They're not proper police, they're pretend police um and he was very rude here. yeah yeah community, community service that's what was community it. support officers yeah <laughs> yeah that's what we got police community support officers and they have no rights of arrest and they can't detain you or anything like that so they're pretty useless but they're there to look like the police because they discovered that you just got to put up a dummy <laughs> and people will be scared you just got to sign up and it's just like very... you just have to put on the white lab coat and now everyone just thinks you're a scientist yes yes do you remember the guy go, they sent yes. out right after the ohio disaster and all he just had a lab coat and a bow tie and he was like yeah everything's safe and I'm like, it's perfect. It's Milgram. It's, Who is it's, this guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's exactly. It's Milgram. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful way to show people that uh, it, it it is just visual. Lots of people yeah. just and if you go out into a public place, you know, a lot of the people I know 
who are awake and alive don't want to go into the city center don't want to go into a public place because it's full of these other people who are just completely switched off and anything could happen because they're all pent up braid and rage and anger uh, that police admin i was talking about earlier he 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 got a good telling off the first two times we encountered each other and by the third time he was very polite to me because you learn over and over again that what's the point of conflict and i used to work in um uh, like I said, nights in a hotel, and I worked in a, a one place where I was the night manager. I had full reign over everything, and I had a really I employed my staff myself, so I had gotten a really good group of people, and we lived by that. The work's got to be done, but we got to enjoy ourselves. We had the silliest times, the silliest times. I, I mean, the, the funniest memories, the brilliant times. The guests had a ball. They were just around happy people who were just enjoying themselves all of the time. We were naughty on occasion. We used to smoke weed here and there on shift. Oh, my God. And we were very naughty. But the, the, the rules were we just got to get the work done. And as long as we get the work done, everything else will flow because we'll be happy with it and everybody will be happy in the guests will be happy and all of that and everybody who worked for me said i don't want to work for anybody else yeah. i just <laughs> i want to work with that attitude i just want yeah. to work with knowing because you you trust each other you have faith in each other and then you have experiences that are beyond that and you know the, the experiences that you'll you'll tell people over and over again in many stories to come you've you given me them yeah but you've <laughs> given me loads uh lindsay this is unbelievable uh, how quickly we got on and how quickly very, very you know nice. you make it easy oh well thank you <laughs> I, i'm glad to hear that but i found it a really interesting i had loads of stories to tell because i had loads you've sparked loads of very interesting thoughts inside me and i i feel that we're gonna because um you're on more than one show obviously you get around a bit don't you yes so i do <laughs> what are some of the other things that you're doing um, I, and you're going to be on my show sooner or later. I don't remember the exact date, but coming up here sometime, you're going to be on Rogue Ways and Rogue Ways mm -hmm. is my a longer running show. And I interview people who are interesting and fascinating like yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. And I also do what I call the winning report, which is just like a roundup of all of the week's news, but we laugh at the new world order and uh, we mm -hmm. empower ourselves to find actual solutions and ways to uh, remember that these guys aren't going to win. Uh, and then on Thursdays, I do Middle Path, which is um, somewhat newer. It's still been going over a year at least. And that's my more spiritual show. And it's just for supporters and subscribers. Uh, so we talk more deeply about many different spiritual things from many different angles. And that's why I call it Middle Path, because, you know, there's there's the famous right right hand path and left hand path. And I'm like, yeah, you guys can all fact yourself. I'm going right down the middle. Uh, which is basically yeah. who I am. I'm like, let's mix everything together and see what we have that is universal. And that's the thing that I like the most. So that's really the flavor of Middle Path. Then I do Day Zero on Sundays with um, the guys, uh, Charlie of Macroaggressions, Corey Hughes. Uh -huh. I'm going to uh, be on it, apparently. Yeah. I'm going to be coming on. It's, uh, I, I, it, that's from a different path. It's, so it seems like we've just joined the same path at the same time. That's which very is... cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so cool. what's, what's that all about? Because I, um, I, I want to know as well. Yeah, well, we've been doing it for just over a year, I think a year and a quarter, perhaps we've, we've been doing this show on Sundays. And uh, it's it started where we would each just bring like an article or a topic from the past week. 
Uh, and then we would all talk about it, but it was just so hilarious because we all, have, you know, for, we're, we're funny people and we all have uh, different, but close enough viewpoints of views that we just have really good chemistry. So now it's just a show where we just talk, we do still kind of talk about current events, you know, but it wanders into every possible territory and, uh, it's very fun. You're going to enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it's just a very I like casual... wandering into yeah. dangerous territory and funny <laughs> yes. territory and silly territory and everywhere. There's yeah. nothing sacred on that show. Like we, yeah. Good, <laughs> we, good. Because I have boundaries. I, I, I'm not someone who likes the sacred that much. I really do like to pick away and 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 uh, look at look at it in two two filters. If, is it true or is it not true? And is you. It... Like the any, I think, great mind actually question everything and you don't just pay it lip service. <laughs> yeah, it really makes it awkward once the times come because there's something happening right now. I'm not even sure, you know, it's just, I, I don't even want to mention it, but there's something just happening in the public sphere right now where I'm just like, everybody's jumping on a bandwagon. I think deep down, some people know what I'm talking about, but everybody's jumping on the same bandwagon. You know, I've seen it before, the same people offering the same things at the same time. They just seem to be like, oh, the antithesis of what is evil. They always seem to be the the opposite of what, what this horrible new world order power structures. I feel it coming again, and I feel the disappointment before I feel the the beauty nowadays because like that that beauty that that passion i used to be dragged along with the crowd so easily and now i feel the first thing that i felt before but i recognize it for what it is and i say oh i'm not gonna waste my time with that over there following the piper anymore yeah so i like and i like i like what you're you're talking about a lot of it is um you're the the only piper is a piper truth is that you need to follow and you need to come out the other side of it being a better human and being more balanced and being calmer and that only comes with all of the different things that we've talked about that's a lot of talking we've done about very spiritual stuff a lot of talking yes but it comes back to that one truth just be honest with yourself Oh, Lindsay charming aren't you charming <laughs> I suppose you've heard that on a couple of occasions before some people are like did you choose that name because you're a shaman I'm like well I don't actually call myself a shaman I call myself a shamanic healer but I don't call myself a shaman and it is just chance that my name is Charmin so yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. it's an accident well, of fate hey thanks for joining me today that was amazing and Thank you we'll speak again me. soon absolutely I can't wait <laughs> <laughs>